0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very two hundred and twenty seventh episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, a podcast about board games and board games, and boy, have we got a belter of a podcast for you! Quinn's is looking at me
1: completely vacant. You didn't set me up there, you did. Look, Tom Brewster, you didn't <laughs> set me up. You just sort of ended that sentence, then looked at me. I was hoping that you would go, "Ah, oh, yeah, look, look, we can do
0: this again, right? We can, we can just roll into it." Uh, have we got a belter of podcast for you? And then you say something like. Oh yeah, Tom, I'm so excited to talk about these three games. My name is Quinton Smith.
1: Wow, okay, fantastic. Yeah, th- we've got three games coming up today. <laughs> we are looking at, I'm honestly quite excited to talk about two of these three games. I'm excited to talk about all three of these three games. I'm only excited by two of them. Let's see if you can tell by my tone of voice which games I'm excited about. On this podcast, we're going to be talking about My Island by Rainer here. We're going to be talking about Bamboo by Germain P. Pimelin. And we're going to be talking about Zuvaris, also by Rainer Knizia. It sounds like this podcast has a
0: serious Rainer Knizia bias when your excitement for those two games is through the roof. I know. And then Bamboo. Well, you know what? You like Bamboo. I like Bamboo a lot. I think it's nice. It is nice. And actually, well, you don't like My Island, which we'll get to in a moment. No, but but
1: I'm really excited to talk about why. Put a sting in. Put me in, Okay, okay, okay. OK, so a long time ago, like way back in the midst of history, like probably two and a half years ago <laughs> Two and a half whole years I ago I know, you were four Depths the, of the pandemic uh, d- In the depths of the pandemic, I my pandemic was brightened up by a Ryan and design published by Cosmos called My City mm-hmm. I called this the sleeper best legacy game in years Yep, My City is a game where you would have a whole bunch of like polyomino tiles mm-hmm. with little buildings on and in your in each 15-minute game of My City, players would put down like a little house that's a T shape and then a, sh- a house that's an L shape. And, and a house that's a uh, square I know, the houses are different colours All and the Tetris would... pieces are represented in this game And there were other smaller Tetris There were like th- <laughs> th- three block pieces And some
0: weirder pieces Two as well pieces, Some naughtier ones some Because pieces.
1: Because as you play the game You would unlock new pieces You would also unlock new rules The thing about My City is it looked dull as dishwater mm-hmm. and you know like that story never got more interesting <laughs> throughout all of the like 18 games of my city that you played correct So what was interesting about my city is that it was just a really solid tetris puzzle and every single game of it changed something a little bit just little tweaks wasn't or, it or sometimes it changed stuff quite significantly right now i it's it, you can go and see uh, my review of my city on youtube i had the best time playing it like it was just For a game I really had no expectations of whatsoever, I think it was a total sleeper hit. Now, we have the sequel, My Island. And I thought, my goodness, Ryan you've now got one of the, the, like you've maybe got one of the best legacy games ever made. You've made a sequel in which you can make it better. I'm so excited. Did he make it better? Did he make it better, Tom? Did he make it better? He made it the same, is my take. Now, we've got a fight for you, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) because Tom and I, Feel differently about My Island. I think My Island is a worse game than my An city. An
0: inferior product. And,
1: uh, well, I was going to say I could prove it to you. The thing is <laughs> that, uh, that we played in our game of My Island. We, got, we saw 50% of the content in My Island before me and uh, your partner mm-hmm. decided we were done. We yeah. would rather play other board games. And that to me is—it's like it, it's very difficult to judge a legacy game to another legacy game. I found this when I was reviewing Pandemic Legacy Season Two, yes, versus Season One, because you're comparing a game to your memories of a game that you can't go back and experience for the right, first time. Right, right, right. Um, well, all I know is that me and your partner played through the whole of my city. Like, start to finish, at no point were we in any doubt that we wanted to keep going. Right? Yes, correct. My island, we got halfway through and we were both kind of done. And you know why? You know why? why, Tom? why? You know why? why? Is it my fault? No. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't think so. Unless you <laughs> said to Reiner when he designed My Island, you know what you should do? You should take the design of My City and turn it from squares and polyominoes into hexagons. That's the big change, isn't it? It is the big change. It's the
0: elephant in the room that it's now all six sided, isn't it? It's yeah. all freaky. I think this is, it's like, <laughs> what my city does to Tetris, my island does to like Tetris, not right, not a Reiner design, <laughs> at least as far as I'm aware. No, my island does sort of, yeah. What my what my city did to Tetris, my island does to Reiner design, ingenious or Babylonia, <laughs> yeah, or that equally Witchstone. popular game, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Right.
1: And the result of it is something that is definitely like brain burnier. It is crunchier for sure. Playing yes. my island, we would regularly have. We would Play of My Island would stop as one of us, regularly around the table, would go and have genuine analysis paralysis. Yeah, and be
0: sort of just like twisting this little hexagonal piece in their hand, then kind of grunting over, yeah. and over and over again. So
1: a game of My City was so easy to get through because it was 15 minutes. It was, you know, tricky, but mm-hmm. not exhausting. Whereas My Island, you finish a game of it and then it's like, there's a, there was a moment we all look around the table it's like, do we want to do that again? Yeah. Um, and that was compounded a bit by we've gone through a lot of the envelopes now. We kn- which I'll flag now for the people at home. Tom didn't want to do. I didn't. I was emotionally done with the game. I said, okay, look, I'm gonna stop playing, therefore I wanna see what's to come. Yeah. I will say the back half of the content in my island seems more interesting. It's, than zestier. More, it's more in tune with some of the bigger like twists. Of
0: my of my ugh, my city, God, these games have the, like the same <laughs> these name. Two very distinct games. How are you getting them confused? <laughs> Especially because like the, the city in My City looks like it's on an island as well. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, um, but yeah, the 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 content is is quite hard to explain without spoiling anything. But there are some sort of big stickers that you're going to get involved in in the end of My City, and that sort of stuff then rears its head in My Island, which is kind of the point of me saying these are kind of the same game in that my city it's just whether or not you like hexagons or whether you like tetris pieces Honestly, or whether you like both or not
1: that's a stupid sentence for you to say i think you're bang right because <laughs> i think like if you like hexagons you're probably a nerd you're yeah pro- not not even a nerd but a particular flavor of nerd who likes like if you think about any game with a hexagon, it's probably a little more brain burning. Yeah, and that's exactly what you're getting with my island. <laughs> Whereas if you like squares, if you're a salt of the earth person such as myself, mm-hmm. those squares totally you're gonna be normal well man. By my <laughs> you're going to be well served by my city. Um, yeah, I w- I just want to flag here though. I want to do a little complain. Here's, little, here we go. Little complainathon. Quince's soapbox. My city had one problem, which was that. It, well, no, it had one problem, which was that it was dull, right? Like it, the story was non existent. The reveals, while mechanically interesting, were like were pretty dull. Yeah, I flagged this thematically up. Thematically dull, not Gameplay done. Almost kind of not incomprehensible occasionally as well. You were building a town over and over. Why? Doesn't matter. You got a lumber mill at some point. Why? Doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you, it, yeah. what mattered with cha- rule changes?
0: It would so, have maybe like two sentences of flavor text at the start. That's
1: like, you
0: have now discovered an b- extra beach that you, you didn't have before. You opened
1: a mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, so my island, I thought to me, f- 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 more fool me, right, Tom? I think if you're Cosmo, or if you're running this here, you've made My City this phenomenal game. You're going to do the sequel. The one job you've got. It's to make it like visually arresting, to give it a story, to like, to make it so that, like, I don't know, to make it colorful. Right. Like, and so that, and that seems like just, just increase the love and the budget that you assign to that. My island actually felt kind of insulting to me because even though it's set on an island and it, I don't know, I don't know why that set my expectations so high, but an island, that's more exciting than a city. It makes marginally (laughs) more sense. It's my private island that I'm going to be covering in stickers. Um it, I I could not believe that my island is a is exactly as dull as my city. Yes. So they 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 thought how dull my city was, and they went, yeah, that's fine. I and think it's not
0: fine. <laughs> I think it's visually more dull as well. I think yeah, that I going agree. from those quite characterful Tetris buildings, they had a very like classic Euro charm to them, right? Like yeah. even though it was kind of visually dull, it was like you look at that game and you think that it is arresting in the same way that like I don't know a brick wall is arresting. <laughs> but then <laughs> my island is kind of like yeah those. Individual hexagons are quite ugly. Like those, yeah. they're like the the single repeated art asset of like a house or a field or a path. And like the paths, even like don't quite match the same tone as the rest
1: of the pieces. I know it, it does not look good. And it's a bait and switch because the cover of the box of my island makes it look more colorful and generally prettier. Mm-hmm. Whereas in actual fact, the game inside is even more dull in some respects and kind of, yeah like nerdy and mathematical than My City is for certain I flag this up but not only is it more brain burning I do think it's fractionally less playful because in My City one of the first things you get one of the first unlocks in an envelope is a church Mm -hmm and everyone gets a unique polyomino shape for their church. So if yes. you won that game, you have to deal with an awful cross-shaped church forever. <laughs> and if you lost the game where churches are unlocked, you get a micro church that you get to play with for all time. Right. My island has nothing to that degree of character. Yes. In any of the upgrades you get for winning or losing games.
0: I do I agree with that. I think that like there's there's something that's really hard to sort of like unpick about this game because it it's We were comparing it so heavily to My City when my memories of My City are like pretty hazy. And I think the arc of the discoveries in this game is very similar to that of My City. Like, we talk about one of the early discoveries. So, a minor spoiler for My City was that one of the big early twists in that game is like you spend this whole game playing with a river in the middle of your board. And that river, you can't cross it. You can't like have a piece straddle it, but you can put stuff either side of it. So, you get access to the two fields on either side, lots of land to play with. And then one of the scenarios is like, hey, only one side of the river now that's you there's been a flood there's been a flood you know you're you're stuck to this side now and we sort of think that that's a really big cool revelation a big twist to the
1: game and my island does have things that are similarly sort of like twisty i don't think the thing that made that awful in my city is my city was already quite hard and then Mm. suddenly it goes just for a couple of games we're gonna make this hard as balls (laughs) because you can only play on half your board um my island is hard out the gate and never had anything that it never has any discoveries that we found in the first half of the game that made it oh that's easier for now or, oh my god that's harder sure sure yeah it, it's very it's incremental a lot of the changes are very
0: slight and incremental but I think a lot of them were in my city too except for that flood which is this big like twist
1: yeah if you're listening to this podcast right now we should move on to bamboo our next game um, but I do want to say if you if you're wondering these two are talking a lot about a game with a really boring name and if you go and google it and you go wow this game looks really boring all of just 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 buy my city. I'm just gonna yeah. echo exactly what I said in that review, which is My City is the definition of a game that would pass you by. It's a dull name, it's a dull box, it's a Ranik nitzia game, he's got like eight hundred games. <laughs> um but yeah, just let this this whole chat be I don't, I don't know, Tom. Do you want to point put instead maybe buy my island? What stuff? I was gonna say is just to I clarify think... both these games are good.
0: Yes. I think that the tricky thing here is that like we can't talk about much of either of these games because they're full of spoilers so we skirted around what they actually are and what they are is like nice little legacy puzzles and both of them are good purchases for that and i think that my city you should get first it is definitely better it's definitely simpler and it's definitely quicker yeah mild island i think you should get if you want more of that but just be prepared for it to be kind of the same it's not you know it hasn't changed its art style dramatically it hasn't become like more thematic and interesting
1: <laughs> which i, I... yeah I
0: really I was being very optimistic And hoping <laughs> Cosmos Would completely change their spots But yeah But I think that like It's just fundamentally It is like an iteration On that formula It doesn't iterate like it, It's just a little bit harder A little bit crunchier And like It has some slightly Different revelations And that's all it is And if you go into it With those expectations That you're getting a box That's going to be Similarly priced And like Similarly engaging We'll flag here nippy. These games are cheap They are not expensive at all Yeah We should check that though. A huge plus Maybe My they've gone up In the two years Inflation is a <laughs> If you would like to own a copy of My City or My Island, both games will set you back between 25 and 35 English pounds. That's the price report. Thank you for listening. Next up on the podcast, we're going to talk about a little game called Bamboo by Germain P. Milan and with art by Jonathan Cantero and published by Devere Games, who always seem to be at the Cosmos stand. they kind of Cosmos and Devere are like one sort of weird, freaky entity in my mind, but maybe they're not. I don't know.
1: <laughs> you might be confused with the fact they both have A blue logo in a stripe That goes across the box yeah. But what I want to flag up here is you refer to A little game called Bamboo It's really little It's literally little It's This, so is, small. this is a box that came in the series that brought you silk and red cathedral mm-hmm. Although technically it's in the U... <laughs> God, it's in the DeVere universe of Silk and Betoga. It's in the Kimushi saga. But oh goodness gracious, that mm. was that was a little bit sexy how you knew that off the top of your <laughs> head. Um but in terms of box size, this is in the DeVere line that brought you such little Euro games that have impressed Shadow down in the past as Silk and Red Cathedral. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I think bamboo is in the middle of both of those games. <laughs> what do you think? I would agree, I think. In that wait, would you put silk above where no, would you put silk? Silk at the bottom. Silk at the bottom, then bamboo, then. And then red cathedral. But Matt at the really top. likes silk, so don't let him listen to this podcast. Will you I please, will please describe him? bamboo? Okay, fine, to the people I'll describe at home. it. In bamboo, you're making a nice little house for your
0: family. And if you make a nice house, they'll love you more. The score in this game is happiness points. And if you gain lots of happiness points, then you win the game. The way you're going to be doing this is you're going to be
1: filling your house with tax. It's very capitalist <laughs> for, it's a, really for capitalist. a game that is really trying to, uh, like, it, it's it's I, I have not. I'm not saying this game is ethically weird, but it is a Spanish team making the most weirdly stereotyped Japanese house imaginable. Yes, like the items you are acquiring is a painting that looks a lot like Hiroshige's Great Wave. You can get a katana, a you bento can, box. You can. Oh God, we're making this sound worse than it is. <laughs> it's a very lovingly packaged game. But yeah, in terms of the objects you're acquiring at the end of your Eurogame engine to get you points. It's like it's like what you'd find in a weeaboo's. American flat, as yes. opposed to an actual historical Japanese. That's a good house. way of
0: putting it. Um, you're going to be filling your house with all this, all this clutter. Yeah, you're right. Very capitalistic. You get more points the more clutter. If you put it in the right <laughs> spots, though, that's the important thing. Yes, because a lot of because this we game... have to
1: balance our Zen house with <laughs> with acquiring like possessions. Yes. yes,
0: exactly. Like you will only score a lovely amount of happiness points if your bento box is directly next to your painting of a cat.
1: Uh, we make- dude. I mean, I. This podcast immediately makes this game sound deeply problematic, and I don't think it is <laughs> No, no, I think it's very easy to make fun of Yes, I think so too um, So you're putting this stuff in your house, and the, the
0: main way you're going to score points is by having the stuff in the right places with these, they're, they're called balance tiles and they're going to show you a literal like a configuration of bits and bobs and if you get them in that configuration, you can flip that tile and score some points Also, you're going to need to feed your family at the end of every round because if not, they will starve, and that will make them quite unhappy, <laughs> and at the end of the game you're also going to lose points if your house is unbalanced so, if you've got like loads of stuff on the right side of your house and nothing on the left. That's bad, and you're going to score a whole bunch of negative points. You've also got this weird little area control game with these, uh, you're putting these incense sticks down every round to try and tempt spirits to come and help you in your house, which will give you extra actions each round. But the core of this game that I'm avoiding is this weird little
1: bamboo action system. I'm going to flag this right now. Even though the game's called Bamboo and they advertise it with the bamboo tokens, I don't think it's the core of the game. I think it's a game of assembling furniture and the bamboo action selection thing you're about to describe is nought but a distraction. Thank you, Quinns.
0: It's good that you got your piece out on the podcast. I'm going to ignore it, and I'm going to tell the (laughs) listeners about how it works. Um, You've got... I won't try... Actually, I'm not going to tell them entirely how it works. It's quite a hard thing to visualize, but essentially you've got these, like, tiny little oblong bamboo pieces. And then on the board, you've got rows of these bamboo pieces that sort of set in a little a groove in the board to make them sort of like slightly sunken. And whenever you take an action, you'll take a little bamboo piece, uh, you'll do the action listed on that piece, and then you'll pop it in the bottom of one of those little grooves and push all the other bamboo pieces slightly up. And t- so it's like it like the bamboo is growing yes and then you cut the top off and you take the top piece and put that back on your board so wherever you put it you're sort of choosing which of your actions you're going to then sock it onto your board to then take later on yes this also feeds into that intense thing i talked about earlier so there's lots to consider when you're choosing your actions in this game when you're picking what action you're going to take and then also what actions you're going to try and seed for you to take in future rounds and i really like this mechanism because i think it unfolded in a way that was really satisfying throughout the game i think maybe. Uh, you enjoyed it less because you just got such a huge brain, Quins. Is that right? Because I think you clocked in... I like where this is going. (laughs) I think you clocked into why, like, the the decisions that that was affording you earlier than I did. But when I realised you were doing things like denying me certain actions and the way that you can, like, because you can, if you can only go into like the red temple if you have red bamboo, you can very easily block someone from doing that if you know that they can't harvest a red bamboo on their next turn. <laughs> so you
1: you said you're not going to explain this system fully, and I sort of have. I feel like you've committed hard enough that I now have to give an example, okay. just real quick, so people do understand. a little example for the people. So let's say on your turn you've got four colors of bamboo, kind of abstractly that you've harvested, right? So maybe on my turn I choose red, which means I have to do all of my red bamboo actions, which means. I I'm now going to take three actions because I've got three red bamboo pieces. The icons on those pieces are like food, food, money, which Mm -hmm. means I do two food actions, collecting two food things off the plate that'll help me for my family, and one money action that gets two coins. I then will take those three bamboo pieces that I've used on my turn, insert them into the bottom of the three growing bamboo plants on the main board, and harvest future actions in different colors that I'll take on future turns in a big batch. I thought... Tom, yeah, I thought I could pull that off and simplify what you were saying by giving an example. It actually is insanely complicated to try and I think describe g- other you words. just did that so that you could make the people
0: think it was a silly little mechanic when really I think it's good. I think you used your example to make a point and for that I am upset. At I didn't you. I did. I was just trying to give the
1: simplest example. I was just trying to bump it up. I was I'm an innocent I man. Was. <laughs> That's like uh, look. We've got problems. We got problems here because you think this game is good and I don't. That's the core of our conflict. You don't here. think you think it's fine. I th- yeah. Yeah. But in this busy life, in this busy world, have you got time for a fine game? Have you got time for an experience that's all right? I no, do. That- when it's this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have more free hours than I, have, I do. I have a low, lower standard for
0: what a good time is. Yeah. I think this is for its weight, for its size, for its
1: price. I think this is a really lovely little package. If you live on a boat oh and you don't have limited, and you've limited space, and I say, you know, why don't you get A Feast for Odin? And you say, I don't have space. I only have space for a box that's about seven inches tall and about five inches wide. Are you go, seriously going to pitch heard of A Feast for Odin <laughs> as a replacement <laughs> Look, for bamboo? I'm just saying. Here's the thing. Like this, it's a 90-minute Euro game, right? Yes. Lots of Euro games and like lots of my favorite Running Knights Euro games, like Amon Ray, which we talked about on a podcast a little while back. Did we? Yeah. No? Did we not? Maybe. We absolutely did. All right. Um Please remove this from the podcast and cover my ass if, <laughs> if we did not. But Armand Ray is also a 90 minute game, you know. Like there are really good 90 minute euro games. This is just a good 90 minute euro game that happens to come in a small box, which to me is not a selling point. I'm being defeated by facts and logic. Mm. I just like it. I think it's nice. It looks lovely. It looks really nice. I think that
0: I do I think that action selection mechanism is unique and interesting and cool. And I, I think, think that's gives... why they called
1: the game Bamboo and I can see what they were trying to do with it. I just don't think I enjoyed engaging with it a great deal that is fair but that's because you've got a big brain and i've got a small brain as discussed i don't, earlier. I don't think you can get out of <laughs> like just by co- you can compliment your way out of having to accept my criticisms. no i
0: i guess what i'm saying is that i think that like there's a lot of room in that there's i think that core of the action selection system is really fascinating if you are like, if you're trying to engage with it on all the levels it can be engaged, with, I think it's a really rich and rewarding way of putting... There's a lot of considerations, know. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is worth something in this kind of game. And I also think just like the energy that it has of like the cozy sort of vibe of like sort of making a little house that you're doing in this game is appealing to, you know, a certain demographic of people. I guess that's the question that we always ask on this podcast is, who is this game for? and yep. boat-dwelling people who like a cozy
1: game. <laughs> people who thought Red Cathedral was awesome partially because it came in a small box. Red like, Cathedral, yeah. Red Cathedral's great, but it, if, would Red Cathedral be as good if it came in a full-sized board game box? Kind of no. No, I agree. So if, And if you're the kind of person to who small games being small is hot, or if you really like <laughs> Red Cathedral and want a box that'll look really good next to it on your board game <laughs> shelf, Bamboo's That's as good a reason as any to buy. I don't know. A game. No, yeah, I'm trying to answer the question that you set out for us. That's very
0: true. I just, I think that it's yeah. Maybe I think this is a game that is kind of like hamstrung by being like like a seven. It's, I think it's like above a seven out of ten.
1: Yeah, this is exactly how I felt about Devere's previous Euro game, which was a big box Euro game set in the same universe, and that universe was called the the Kamushi Saga. The The, the previous game in the Kamushi Saga, yeah. the toku. I felt exactly the same way as I did about it, But that game was massive and I know, heavy. I know. And this game is
0: small and light and peppy.
1: Correct. Yeah. yeah. If you think this sounds nice to you, then you should buy it. Well, this is, you you don't have to make your decision right now because this is not the last time you'll be seeing Bamboo on the site. Is it's it? not. But we're not going to talk about that because that's a secret. Ooh. <laughs>
0: Now, this is exciting to talk about the
1: last game. I'm so excited to talk about this last game. I want you to edit that so what you just said, candidly, <laughs> on the mic, um, is included in this. We're going to talk about Zoo Vardis, a classic Ranikinitsia game that has been brought back to life by Bytewing Games with beautiful art by Quanshai Maria. And let me tell you, this is, I think, the best thing Quanshai Maria has ever illustrated. He's a beloved artist in the board game scene, but I think this game is just a stunner. It's, it's so good. It looking. looks real good. This is check this out, everybody. Zoo Vardis is a game that can, that asks, what if ancient Rome was <laughs> a zoo <laughs> uh, But that's because the theme in, in the original 90s release it was it was, it was not, called Bovardis. There you go. It, it was yeah. just set in ancient Rome and yes. now Bitewing games have gone. Okay, well, we want to be true to the ancient Roman setting, but also that is not going to sell. So what if, instead of Romans trying to crown each other emperor, Zoovanus is a game where you play one particular species of animal trying to be crowned king of the zoo? (laughs) Uh, You want to become the new zoo mascot. Right? (laughs) Ah, it's so good! Okay, and uh, yeah, to do this, you will have to get into the the best enclosure in the zoo through Mm -hmm. one of the most demented games. This, okay... It's going to be hard to
0: explain because there is no other game that is quite like this, and that's
1: what makes me so excited to talk about it. You're um, randy to talk about this game. I—that's not a word I would use. <laughs> um, so, okay, I'm going to do my best to describe what is a, negot- a political negotiation area control kind of game, but with not area control area movement. Look, here's the deal: it's hard. You, you, you get some friends around the table. You'll sit around the table. You'll pick your animal species and get a selection of beautiful wooden pieces and tokens. Um, representing your animal. I was crocodiles. I my... was marmosets. There you go. Um, now, then you put the board which shows the zoo on the table. Now, if you, when you're imagining this zoo, imagine a series of enclosures with different amounts of spots. So there are small enclosures which have room for only one animal. There are big nightmare enclosures which can have like seven animals in and they're all and we'll get to why in a minute. On your turn, one of the actions you can do is move an animal off the board into one of the enclosures at the bottom. So imagine a kind of, these enclosures form kind of a series of flowcharts, right? Yes. So you might move an animal into one of the the three slot enclosures at the bottom of the board. What you're trying to do with any animal is two things. First off, because also on your turn, once you've got an animal on the board, you can pick it up and move it down the flowchart to another enclosure down the board. And what you're trying to do with this is, as you move animals... The parts they move down might have, oh, God, I want to say prestige.
0: They're called laurels.
1: Which are the abstracted victory point of the game. So as you move animals from enclosure to enclosure, you get laurels. But also, you can only win the game if you have at least one animal in the star enclosure at the far end of the board, the end of the flowchart. Yes. Now, what makes this a board game, and what makes it specifically a negotiation game, is as follows. In order to leave a cage (laughs) and move to the next cage, you have to have permission from the majority of animals in that cage right so if you're in a three cage and you've got two alligators in it and you want to move one of those alligators out alligators you're uh, fine you're fine it's democracy those two alligators both vote i i allow this (laughs) alligator out however what this is is a game where you've got an alligator in an enclosure that has two marmosets, a flamingo and a peacock who's not a player let's not Get bogged down in the peacocks right now, <laughs> and so you have to canvass with votes around the table. You say, "Tom, will you let me out?" And Tom says, "No." Can I say, "Okay"? What if I say, "Please"? Still no. Okay. What if I give you laurels? Okay. How there, many? One, two. Mm, uh, uh, We're what playing what, what? the game now in our heads. <laughs> I know. I'm like, two laurels is a fair bit. Um. So yeah, that's the game, and it's uh, it's a lot of agreements. It's a lot of promises. It's a lot of it's a lot of frankly. Okay, I'll let you out if you give me two laurels now, but also I want a favour later. Yeah, I want to cash in a vote later on to get out of that nasty enclosure. Correct. And all of this is made foxier by the fact that when animals leave enclosures and walk down those paths, as I've said, they pick up laurel tokens on the way. So yes. I might not, I might, you know, want, th- I'll, I'll sell my vote to Tom and allow his marmosette to leave the enclosure and proceed towards down the board for... Three laurels But I know he's gonna get Five laurels The moment mm. I let him out mm, Yeah Um Also other players Might be saying I really want that Mama's that's still here I'll pay you a laurel To not But you know <laughs> So um There's other mechanics in it Which I'll gloss over now Every animal has its own power Which And I really like this You can't use yourself Yes So Luke Our friend was playing the um Uh, I want to say armadillos, Armadillos, Yeah, Yeah, and the armadillos' power was to dig, Mm -hmm. so he could dig paths that were not on the board between two different enclosures. He couldn't dig these tunnels, or use these tunnels himself, your marmosets just found additional room. So if a cage can only have five people, the marmosets would let you slip a sixth person into Quins, the cage? that was the ibises, you fool. Oh, what did the marmosets do? I think they might have let you take a different laurel than the one that was on the space between the two places. Gotcha. Anyway, the point is you can't use this power yourself. So again, fosters negotiation. You have to sell that power yep. to other players. Um, And then there were A couple of other moves You can do in the game Which is move the neutral peacocks Around the board They just flutter around And are on the boards They're great Taking taking
0: up space They are great They'll take up space In an enclosure uh, And they will not give you a vote Unless you just pay them Two laurels Yeah And they do not take change No You can't pay them
1: Two one laurels But you can pay them A three laurel But they will not give you One back It's so good And what we need to stress As well is that the star enclosure at the end Ryan does this with a lot of his games Where it's right. like You get points for X, Y, Z But if you don't have Q yeah. Then you, you just lose You just lose Yes And the, what's key in Zuvardas Is that the star enclosure at the end Like we play it depends on which side of the board you're playing on But mm-hmm. let's say you're playing a seven player game Right There might only be six slots That's bad Someone's gonna lose automatically mm-hmm. But Peacocks can take those slots as well Yes So as a player as any player gets an animal into the star enclosure, they have two choices, both of which great. <laughs> one of which is to just start accepting bribes forever to let any other animal ever <laughs> into the enclosure. The other equally funny move is to just start shunting peacocks into the enclosure. Or well, not even
0: peacocks, like because you are o- you can have more than one of your own piece in there. Yeah. So you could have, you know, like in a five-player game, you could have an end enclosure that has like three monkeys, one <laughs> peacock, and one like lucky ibis. Yeah, and then You've it's just... It and, the the then, top.
1: T- and then once the game ends, when the star enclosure is full, and then it's whoever has all this money You're bribing each other with these laurels mm-hmm. Whoever has the most laurels out of the animals In the star enclosure is the winner So all that negotiation you're doing In one sense, it's you're trying to get an animal To the end of the board yeah. In another sense, it's how rich can you get while doing that Yes. And really, just how much are you willing to risk Pissing off your friends <laughs> Because, my goodness, more so than any other negotiation game There's usually negotiation games where you run businesses Um... You can piss off your friends, but ultimately they'll still need to come to you to get a wheat or, right, or, or right. a brick or whatever. Zuvaris, if you make an enemy, <laughs> they'll be a dick to you forever. You can be so obstinate in this game in a way that I really, really like. <laughs> because you don't need a brick or a wheat. You just, you need laurels, but not really. And everyone's laurels are hidden anyway. Yeah, exactly. So the grudges are kind of, like, priceless. I,
0: there's, there's a really nice, like, First, the first thing I wanted to also say is actually like I really like how it's a really simple system That you've got here, of just needing to advance up this zoo And collecting laurels, makes it really approachable And easy to understand, yeah. even though it's Weird as hell, like it's yeah. a really weird game But very easy one to teach, but also I love The different ways you can pull on that to negotiate Because we've not mentioned there's a little piece called the zookeeper No, uh, you haven't. take the zookeeper And he covers up a laurel, which means That no one's going to get the thing on the path When they cross it, but also you don't need to worry About votes anymore, you can just jump straight Across the, the zoo,
1: zookeeper, the, the, the weird <laughs> unprofessional zookeeper yeah. will happily allow a crocodile into the exhibit full of ibises <laughs> he's just here to help um but like that is a there's that and the
0: laurels and the powers give you this really nice network of tools to negotiate with yeah. and things you like denying your opponents as well there's lots of strings to pull on in something that looks quite simple but on top of that I think I find it um, really pleasing the way that you have... If you can fulfill a bargain on your turn, that's a promise. You have to do it. If you say, hey, let me out of this enclosure, I'll pay you two laurels, you do it then and there, you have to make true on that promise. Future promises, like a vote or something, can be broken, and I, you know, in all of our games so far, no one has broken promises. I did it in my most recent <laughs> game. And the way that the table turns against you is hysterical. <laughs> like, it is absolutely delightful the way that it was like, I like, it was a really nasty set of turns. I said to my partner, I said, hey, uh, like, I'll give you a vote now if you give me a vote. No. You give me a vote now, I'll give you a vote later on. She was like, yeah, sure, no worries. Moved up the enclosure. It was then her turn next. She was like, right, so you'll let me out. And I went, no, sorry, buddy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which felt really cruel. And it was cruel. Um, Dude, animals in the zoo, in cages, you know, is like, I mean, you and I probably have similar but not great feelings on zoos. But this is a great theme for It's a, a really, really good thing. An Ibis not letting a marmoset out of an enclosure <laughs> is intrinsically funny. The way that it's them trying to become the zoo mascot as oh, well is kind it's of delightful. Great. It's great. And well, then and then I think that it's not just that.
0: Like if it was kind of if the art design and the theming was kind of cutesy animals, it wouldn't be as good. Like there's no. only one or two animals that are cute. It's the fact that they're all like They're
1: cute in spite of what the art
0: is doing to them, <laughs> yeah. which is make them like Political officials Yeah exactly I love the way that all of the art Is like as well Pointing towards like This like the, the like the the little badges and the sort of campaign promises the animals have almost the way that it looks like an American election it does and the yeah. way that like like the the armadillos has made my favorite one where they just have a badge that just says dig exclamation mark on it yeah.
1: like that's their like you know uh, their mo it's great it's funny it all of the art speaks of a really complicated world that you're just visiting briefly <laughs> yeah, and you're like, exactly like, it feels like when you sit down to play the crocodiles it's it feels like getting a job that was already running before you got there and will continue running after you leave. (laughs) You're like, you sit down, you're like, I'm doing what? Okay. I also, I think there's something really
0: delightful as well about like the way that all of the animals have like a, um, I'm going to go get, I'm going to actually stand up and going to go look at these, but they have like a miniature little description on their little... Player boards. So, like the white tigers, for example, it says decorated dignitaries. The marmosets are pragmatic pleasers. The hyenas are pon- they are pompous pontificators. So those little miniature descriptors, I think, they almost force you to like role play in a weird way oh, as yeah. your kind of animal. Not like hard role play in sort of the way that you'd expect, but like there's a way of like if you are, you know, a pragmatic pleaser, mm. there's something about that lick of like flavor that means that you then approach the game in a very slightly different way. I the think powers that's
1: what... give a real zest to to who you're playing as. I yeah, think. the powers I think I <sighs> I think you've hit on something really interesting there, that like in a negotiation game where players just have to sit down and immediately start nickel and dime each other and either being dicks or not. Uh-huh. Just that tiny bit of theme, because I think about this. It's in, direction, isn't it? Yeah. I, in Sidereal Confluence, the, you know, the our last, it could not be more diff- different from Zubatis, <laughs> but a game that Tom doesn't like, but that I do. Um, and a very interesting one. Uh, similarly, that gives you an alien race and attempts to, it gives you. But this game gives you a sentence. That game gives you like eight paragraphs of background. <laughs> gives but you law. Having some vague bit of law or direction before a negotiation game I think is really welcome. Yes. No, I completely agree. So another thing we should play- we'll This, again, probably won't be the last you see of Zuvadas on the site because it's really impressed me and Tom with just... Not just being simple, but the thing I think I want to end this podcast saying is like, it is... We were just talking about this before the podcast. It's so unique among negotiation games. Completely agree, yeah. It Because it, we were comparing it to like, okay, so I mean, yeah, we we'll, might do this more in future coverage, but you know, like other games tend to be about business or mm-hmm. economy mm-hmm. or trading. Yeah. And Zuvard isn't. It's about travel. It's about getting <laughs> from A to B in a really interesting way. Yeah. I think it's like when, I, I think that one of the
0: big ones that we missed out in that conversation earlier was like Chinatown, where like oh, maybe yeah. that's the only like in terms of straight negotiation games the whole team agrees on I think that there's Chinatown everyone thinks that Chinatown everyone loves is Chinatown, absolutely yeah. fantastic and then I think like other ones there's a lot of disagreement like serial confluence I've never found that engaging I found yeah. it too crunchy and difficult to get to the table yeah. and then I think things like I'm the boss you find maybe like too chaotic and aggressive even games like the estates you know which isn't really a negotiation game it's more of an auction game we all find like I mean you think that it's a game that like you shouldn't buy even though you like quite enjoy it and like it
1: i like showing it to people (laughs) i think i like
0: showing it to people enough that i'll show it to people a lot (laughs) yeah no i agree with that i do but anyway all these negotiation games we we find a little bit difficult or they are not like pure negotiation games and zuvaris is just like a direct like fantastic unique odd negotiation i think this game's a bit of a belter
1: i i agree i am really looking forward to covering it more and shut up and sit down like just it's unique and it's quick. It's quick. It's so quick. And it's simple. So simple. Reiner Knizia is still the master of that. Like, well, I mean, I say still, this is actually a game is from the 90s. <laughs> but when you talk about the best Reiner games, like this is what I didn't understand when I first started doing Shut Up and Sit Down, is that Reiner Knizia not only is responsible for so many of the best board games ever made, so many of them, like, board game designers today wish they could make games that are as simple and good as these. Because I think a simple thing a simple good game is harder to make than a... Than a really complex. There's definitely something to be said about, like
0: we talked about Bamboo earlier, and it's like the idea of like Euro games, especially just having like lots of systems in them is definitely a sort of, you know... <sighs> What's the word? I
1: think what I the way I would express it is that um, if you could make a game that was as fun as bamboo with half the rules, yeah, it would be better. Like yeah. flat out. And it, it, Reiner does that.
0: It's people thinking that like the, the depth of the game, or if you put more systems in it, therefore is more complex and more interesting, when really Reiner gets a lot of like intriguing design work out of like eight
1: rules. And I do have to admit that there are I mean, we both do, that there are people out there for whom that complexity is like a, is a source of fetishistic enjoyment. By itself Otherwise There would be people out there Who enjoy Vital Lacerda games mm-hmm. Which is not my Particular you know, cup of tea I've but... still
0: not played A Vital Lacerda game Which I feel like You know Three Dude, or four I... years Into the site
1: Let's end this podcast With me inviting you Over to my house Once again To play The best Vital Lacerda game Which is Vinhos Okay fine Vinhos Deluxe Edition At my house baby Any excuse to crack that guy out You make like it, The rules explanation Is like 45 minutes Wow You know how many decisions You make in the about A two hour game Seven? I was literally going to say eight, <laughs> um, but it's phenomenal. All right, well, let's do that, and let's let's do it right now. Let's finish this
0: podcast, and let's just go over to your. Let's toddle on over to your house and play Vinhos. You've made me really excited to do
1: this. Sick. Thank you very much for listening to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, everybody. This has been Zuvardis, Bamboo, and My Island, and Tom Brewster and Quentin Spear. Aww.
0: Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.